Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Get First Podcast. It's David Cohen, your co-host, and I'm very excited to be joined by a special guest today coming to us from London, Susan Standiford. Susan is... Uh, a five-year Techstars mentor. She's been at it for a while, uh, really helping out and giving first. But we're going to hear a bit about her day-to-day at the IKEA group, as well as some of her past experiences with organizations like Disney Interactive and Travelocity. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks, David. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'd love to just start and get a quick sense of your career and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Maybe I'll try and do a little bit of the three chapters of Susan. Definitely a nerd by trade. Grew up in a computer lab who is uh, definitely somebody who fostered do everything technical. So my sister and I ended up at a very young age coding and probably more playing games than anything, but definitely coding. That led me to really start a data and tech career, right? So I started as an, as an engineer, as a programmer. I spent a lot of time building systems and doing some pretty interesting things. I was employee 13 for a startup that eventually grew to about a thousand and got bought by Oracle. So fantastic career, really building awesome software and doing some pretty interesting things. That's phase one, really nerdy, nerddom central. Chapter two is when you realize that building teams is maybe as cool and interesting as building software, that scaling teams and scaling people and projects are really interesting problems to solve, just like technical problems to solve, maybe even more interesting in some ways, because people are so darned unpredictable sometimes. So spent a lot of years thinking about process and building teams and building software at a team level. And then chapter three was really figuring out how to do that at an organizational level. So how do you actually influence positively outcomes as you build software, as you build product, as you build capabilities at a complete organizational level? And how does that reflect back to profitability, bottom line, if you're a publicly traded company, how does that affect stock price? So this has all been, you know, many, many years of doing that. And I've gotten the fortune of really working for some amazing companies. So Disney, Travelocity, Oracle, Retech, which was a software company, Rulala, which is an e-commerce play in, in the U.S. And then moving to Europe and, and doing some work with some great brands here. So Zeal, and then obviously IKEA. So it's been pretty awesome in building my my own personal career there. Sounds like a fun journey. Uh, that's yeah. obviously a really quick version of it, but it's it's remarkable to me how many people I meet that sort of have a similar phase one, right? Sort of started out just coding, learning how to do that, you know, hacking away, and then the diversity of where they land in terms of their career. I have that same story, right? I grew up learning how to program. My, my first phase of my career was programming, and you know, now here I am in venture capital. How do you think that early sort of exposure to tech can really help really anyone build their career? 
it kind of depends on what motivates you, I think, right? So some people want to be super deep in a particular area and that can be limiting, but it's also amazing, right? So you go very, very deep and those are the people you want to create vaccines and trial them like we are doing today in, in many places, right? You don't want the jack of all trades doing that. But I think if you've got this innate curiosity and you're not just an analyzer, but a synthesizer, you start to look for patterns. And those patterns are super, super relevant across a variety of different areas. So while I started in retail software, you know, then it built into the consumer and the internet. I got into building games, doing things for kids. I've done a lot, and we'll get to the, some of the stuff with the mentoring stuff, but you know, some deeper tech as well around Bitcoin, some things in graphics. And then when you've got that supreme curiosity, which in many ways is a curse, but in most ways is a blessing, then I feel that that actually can let you expand. If you don't need to know every single thing, but you are really good at asking questions and diving deep, I think you'll find so many of the patterns are relevant. I mean, programming, right? Fundamentally, you're learning how to problem solve and think about how things work. And I think it can lead to so many places in, in one's career. So Ikea. I often think of Techstars as a complicated little company. Ikea must be a complicated big company. Uh, you know, 50 countries of, of operations or more, I think 400 plus stores. You've got 12,000 products that are sold, $20 billion plus in annual sales and billions of website visits a year. You know, what's it like to be in charge of the technology platform of such a complex and, and far-flung environment? It's a humbling uh, <laughs> at its core. It's interesting because I think it's very gratifying in some ways because there's so many opportunities to make things better, which is awesome. There's just so many different areas to be relevant and to improve. And then it's just massive and broad running. We haven't even really kind of touched on it because in addition to all the things that you say, it's also a supply chain company, right? So, so much of this and its sister company is the designer of furniture, you know, the core product design manufacturer. So understanding how that goes all the way back from concept and democratic design. And then you've got the, the broad shoulders that IKEA has around being a beacon, I think, for human rights, for diversity and inclusion, for the planet and in circularity. I think there's a, there's a lot of complexity that's there, which means that one of the most important aspects of leadership, you know, I think about leadership in sort of five core characteristics. You got to be smart. You got to be able to get things done. You have to be able to fight through ambiguity. You need to empower others which is super important and that can happen at any level, no matter what. For me, one of the most important ones, and this is the one I'm going to talk about, is, is humble leadership. And that humble leadership is a humility that means not just the obvious one, which is that you can admit when you're wrong or go down different paths, but you're really insanely curious and understanding that other people know more or can know more and you can constantly learn and that perpetual learning is something that's super important. So if you look at a company like Ikea, if you think you know it all, you're broken, right? It's just not going to work. But if you are insanely curious and you try and drive towards an exploration conversation, uh, you know, the hypothesis-driven decision-making, then it becomes interesting. I, I mean, that's got to be the way it is in venture capital. There's no way you can know. Someone's going to come up with the craziest ass idea and they come to you with it. And if you think you know it all, <laughs> you're not going to hear it. You're not going to see it, right? So I think that there's a, there's a lot of similarities in just maintaining an open mind and being being wildly curious. Susan, I have to tell you though. I mean, I knew it immediately when I saw ClassPass and SendGrid and Uber. I, no, I didn't. I, I knew nothing. Um, it was one of two thousand, <laughs> right? I have as many disasters as I have, you know, lucky hits. I'd love to talk more about these sort of five traits of, of leadership that you've talked about. Maybe we could do it in the context of, of some earlier stage companies that you've worked with and mentored because 
you obviously are a very busy person. You've got a lot to look after and a lot going on, but yet for the last five years and, and probably longer, you've been giving first just by showing up and, and mentoring in the context of, of Techstars Accelerators. Why do that? What do you get out of it? You know, Why is it valuable to you or is it? It's super valuable. So maybe just a little bit of the backstory. For the last, I don't know, probably 10-ish years, maybe more, has been around transformation. How do you come in and really help somebody that's got a problem to get over the hump or to start from scratch. And so transformational stuff, not in that cost-cutting, grind it out, but how do you actually create product development organization? How do you create a technology ethos and identity at a company so that you can carry a, a company forward with a growth mindset? That's been my background. When I went to Rue in Boston, which you and I chatted about before we started, when I first got there, it was great. It was a great company. It was massive. And, and we could talk forever about the changes that we made at the company and how impressive the growth story was you know, over those five years or so. But the reality was it was so hard. I put my head down. We moved from California, moved to Boston, and I put my head down. And it was just 24-7, right? That's all I did. And like I said, it was very rewarding. But when I then took my next position and I came to Zeal here in London, I promised myself that I wouldn't get so buried in my head that I would miss out on the community that was there. So it took me like maybe three years into my time at Rue to really build a strong community in Boston. It was fascinating because I promised myself when I went to London, I wasn't going to make that mistake to kind of keep my head down. And one of the first things that happened to me when I landed in the UK was an old Sabre buddy from my Travelocity Sabre days called up and said they were having a hackathon. Would I be interested in judging in their London hackathon? And I did. And I got to be on a panel with John Bradford, who at the time was running the Techstars community here in London. So he and I struck up a conversation and it was awesome. He was promoting all of the good things that tech stores could do and you know the way that you could get involved in the community. And it just seemed like such a perfect entry point into the local startup community, into the local ethos, into, into all the things that were kind of buzzing with London. And so that sort of was the thing that committed me to it because there's so much you can get from the community, whether it's just problems that you want to solve or people that you want to meet or ways that you want to be inspired. Being a part of an active, healthy community is it's really rewarding. It's very enriching to me. That sort of sets it up. And then I started going and I did think I did my first mentor madness. And some of the things that I've already talked about, which is that sort of insane curiosity. I just love stuff. I love thinking about product. I love thinking about tech. I love thinking about divergent thoughts and and I love leadership. You could start to see these incredible people who are brought in. They might they may or may not have good ideas. Most of them have very good ideas. But mostly they're incredible people, right? They're incredible people with incredible ideas. And for me, I just get a ton of energy off of that. I love it. I love the sparring. I love the constructive discussions. I love the candid, not always nice, but candid conversations that you can have around ways that you can make things happen. From that moment on, I was hooked. And so I've been part of so many different accelerated incubators here in the Techstars community here in London, the Virgin Media Accelerator with Techstars, the Barclays, and of course the London Accelerator. And every time I go... I'm just jazzed and energized. And I'm jazzed and energized because of the energy and passion that these founders and leaders bring with them. I mean, they're giving up their, their worlds for months, right, to go be part of this incubator, this accelerator. And then, of course, all the things that they're doing to start and found the company. And the thought that I can come in with the years of experience that I have and offer something that's meaningful to them where... I've seen something before. My synthesizer lights start flashing. Oh, I've seen this pattern before. Have you thought about this? What's going on with that? The thought that something that I've grown over my career could come in and have value for them, I just find that ridiculously rewarding. 
You mentioned John Bradford. I'm going to circle back because you may or may not know that that's probably the original highly public give first story that gets told around the Techstars system. John was working on an accelerator of his own using the Techstars model called Springboard uh, in the UK. And John describes it. We were quite helpful to him, like sharing our model and legal documents and budgets and actually flew over there and helped him, you know, find the investment and get the mentors organized. And he always called that such amazing give first. I said, it shocked me how that came back to me because, you know, ultimately we ended up essentially acquiring that activity and that became Techstars London and was our first international expansion, right? And Mm. now we're using that model around the world. But it's really interesting to hear that connection between you and John because that's a a version of it coming back to me and, and makes me really happy because now here you are through that interaction, helping so many startups succeed and and be successful. It's really cool to hear the reverberations of the John Bradford story. Yeah, I did not know that story. So that's awesome. That is an incredible squaring of the circle. You know, that's awesome. So when you think about the companies you've worked with around Techstars and you think about those, you know, leadership characteristics, are are there any patterns that you notice or things you tend to find yourself talking with the startups about more than, than other topics? It's pretty interesting. I'm fairly unusual, I find. Well, <laughs> let's not go too personal here, but um, but I am fairly I'm unusual. I'm sensing that. Yeah, I'm sensing <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But anyway, so I'm a woman in technology. And when I do these mentorship things, I really, I really come in with a product uh, development, product development data mindset. So I think that a number of things happen. One is... There are a lot of great mentors out there, fantastic, phenomenal mentors. You probably know this. It skews probably on the financial side quite a bit, right? So yes. um, at least that's been my experience. And, and there's nothing wrong. Finance guys or awesome, guys and gals, awesome. But there's a lot of them. And I haven't met a ton of folks who are in either the tech mentorship or the product mentorship, maybe a little bit more on the product. And so what I find in general is when I come in, the value that I bring is from that product roadmap, product-driven development, hypothesis-driven development, and then scale. I get a lot of very interesting questions, and we dig into product a lot. So our speed dating rounds, right, the mentor madness stuff, tends to be, like everybody, 20 minutes just isn't enough. But we spend a lot of time pinging product ideas. I'm digging into product concepts in general and I think almost every one of the sessions that I have, not all of them, but I get asked to, to be an ongoing mentor. And that happens a lot, I know. But, but I think when you have that product focus and flair, these are folks that are trying to figure out product market fit. They're trying to figure out what that lever is. And of course, in, in the context of, of all of the financials and all the things you have about starting the company. But I think that that makes me a little bit unique. I think the other thing that has happened is because I'm a woman in technology, you get all these incredible women founders, female founders. And I love it. I love seeing these incredible women who are starting companies, particularly CTOs, but also CPOs and CEOs just across the board. I think having that opportunity to see and assist in any way for these women to get a leg up and actually succeed in these companies is mind-bogglingly cool. I even had one experience, um, one of my first sessions, I think it was in Max's 
first year or second year or something like that, this woman came up to me and said, I found you in the pre-reading materials and I've been waiting to talk to you. <laughs> and we sat down and she was amazing. This amazing woman, uh, Veronica Rivalo, and she's the CEO of a company called Didymo. And they do high fidelity 3D avatars. And so this is not my, my background or my experience. I'm, I'm just not a graphics expert by any means. But she wanted to talk to a female technologist and we hit it off right away and just Lovely conversation, lots of questions, product angles, people angles, process angles. And we have maintained an incredible relationship over over the years. In fact, I, I, I did actually do some angel investing with her and I sit on the board now. We probably talk at least once a week and there's always some interesting discussion to be had and sparring to be done around a meeting that's coming up or maybe how they're thinking about scaling the team or you know, life in the time of COVID, whatever these things are. And I just, I cherish my relationship with Veronica. I just think she's just amazing. And anything that I can do to help her succeed is gravy to me. Well, that's a great story. Hopefully uh, you get the chance to go hang out in Portugal uh, with her once in a while too, because that's probably it, not bad either. <laughs> that it, 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 in fact, it doesn't. And Porto is quite a lovely place to be. I'm going to guess that that in your you know growth as as a leader, you've, you've also had some mentors that sort of gave first to you. Any stories come to mind about maybe people that went out of their way to help you develop your career? There are a couple of interesting ones. One really interesting experience, I would say formative experience in my career was I, I, I worked for a, a CTO named Jeremy Thomas when I was at Retech. And he was moderately crazy, which is always good for a CTO and had, you know, all these crazy things that he used to say. And we used to have a Jeremy quote board going. But what I really loved about it, working with him and for him is that, you know, I would come with this, you can probably tell just by the way I talk about these things, with all this passion and energy around things. And he taught me to be far more critical about ideas. I mean, he, he told me when I would come with this great idea, was, trust me, it was a great idea. And he would say no. And then he would explain why, why he thought from his opinion, this wasn't right. So there was a lot of discussion about influence. There was a lot of discussion around ability. So I would have a great idea. I was young in my career. So I had all my great ideas. <laughs> And um, he would poke at them and make me much more critical in my thinking about them. And I remember I came to him about a, an idea about a product revamp. Let's just call it a revamp. And he said, that's a great idea, but we can't do it. We just don't have the capacity to do it. And you know, then he taught me at this point, and this is not so much mentorship as much as just good leadership. He taught me you know, that there's a difference between what maybe looks right, but what you're actually capable of doing. And so that sort of criticality is really good. And I actually find that that's super important in the way that I work with startups now today too, because this is pie in the sky, incredible ideas, right? You know, no, nobody's short of any ideas, but what can you functionally practically do? How can you get that done? So that was really good. Super important. There's another one, a guy named Phil Terry, who started a company called Collaborative Gain, and they do a ton of work around humble leadership. So it really is near and dear to my heart. And what Phil, I think from a mentorship perspective, he's always pointing you in the direction of somebody. He's always introducing you to somebody. He knows somebody. He's got an idea. It's not so, not so him that helps, but he is a connector. He's a phenomenal connector. So he taught me that that kind of giving is important and that you need to ask for help. And that leadership and success means that you ask somebody for their insights. You ask people for their help. And he's built a, a whole, you know, sort of organization around that and a whole ethos around that. And there are people that follow that brand of thinking. And, I, and I'm one of them. I just think that that's amazing. And I think, again, back to the Techstars mentality around mentoring and connecting people, that's what you do. You ask for help. You go humbly. 
to learn from others. And then, you know, you critically make your own decisions. But I think that those are two people that have really helped me in my career. Great stories. I mean, I totally agree on the organizational capacity challenges, right? Every company has mm-hmm. that, but boy, startups really have it. And the value of connecting and those people, I'm sure, have gotten things back from you. You know, here you are talking about them. We'll, we'll obviously link out if we can find those things that, that people may be interested in learning more about that you mentioned. But it tends to come back to you in unexpected ways. And so I think that's the, the beauty of it, right? You, you start with the giving, but somehow, you know, the system gives back to you over time. And that, that's really the lesson that I think we've all learned. Within my own executive leadership, it's really important for me to be a coach and a mentor. That's really what I've learned. I think back to the chapters, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, you know, when you're an engineer, you're doing it, right? It's your design, your code. It's a very self-centered, focused world. And then when you get into that sort of next level of team leading, some level of organizational leadership, you're still fairly downward focused, but you're starting to kind of venture out and find those peer relationships that are part of agency and and ability to deliver. But I think ultimately, when you get to the point where you're, what I hope I'm at in chapter three, which is making a big difference for the company, you have to enable other people. You have to mentor them. You have to coach them. You have to find ways to empower people so that they can make good decisions. And that style is critically important. There's no way to scale unless you are in that mindset of empowering and mentoring others. Super well said. I, I want to switch, Susan, into our last segment. It's called Rapid Fire. And I'll ask you a couple quick questions, maybe 30 seconds or less uh, on each. Try to pack it all in here. Is there a place in the world that you recommend everybody listening has to visit before their time is up on this planet? Wow. Okay. That's an interesting question. Well, I'll just start with the obnoxious generic answer, which is travel, get out, experience, experience every culture you can, uh, see how people are different. That's probably the most important thing that I can think of. I think it makes you a more empathetic person. I think it makes you a more thoughtful person when you can see that. I think it makes you a more understanding person. So I would say, first of all, there is no one place. Go to many, many places. But then if I was going to be like all dreamy, you got to do this, go to Turkey and eat everything you can. (laughs) I would highly recommend uh, Bodrum or better met Cheshme. Cheshme right outside of Izmir, which is just walk along the beach and eat candied apples and mussels from the beach vendors. It's just the most glorious thing you'll ever do. And then if you get a chance to go to Mauritius, I went there in the last couple of years and it, it's just magical. So, but stay away from that, the oil, the oil tanker spill right now, but uh, Mauritius is pretty amazing. Great tip. So you make it a couple of emails uh, on some of those topics with the challenges <laughs> on those restaurants, but we'll see. How about a nonprofit that you are aware of or interested in that you, sh- you want to spread the word about? You know, I hate to go political, but there are two that are really important to me, but Fair Fight, Stacey Abrams, nonprofit right now to get out the vote, get out the vote. I don't care who you vote for, get out the vote. We should all be voting and and speaking our mind and being active in this world. She says from London, but still you can do that. And then the other one is Chef Jose Andres, the World Central Kitchen. I think Chef Jose is just doing the most amazing things right now. The most giving person I think I've ever seen or met uh, genuinely. And so those are the two that right now come to mind. If I actually don't take most fees, I ask them to donate to one of those two causes if I, if I do something. Super cool. We have a lot of entrepreneurs listening, uh, tech leaders who are you know early or, or middle of their career. Is there a book uh, that you think that might be really relevant that you remember reading recently or in your career? Oh, I've read so many that are good. I mean, read everything is the short answer. I'm just looking back behind me on my desk. One of the ones that, that I would highly recommend is The Innovator's Dilemma, which is just old school. That's classic. You should definitely read that. Everybody should read that. Just read everything. I mean, I think the Startup Way is really interesting with Eric Rice. I think 
lean is it lean development? That's not the name of it. I can't remember now. What is it called? Lean startup. Lean. Thank you. Eric Reese. <laughs> Fellow Techstars mentor early on. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's awesome. I think those are good. I think the, the one that I would say for all your entrepreneurs, find any reasonably awesome book on meditation. Do it. Find your way to get your 10 minutes a day or more, more than anything to quiet your mind and all of the crazy chaos that's happening right now. One that I read, not that long ago, is called One Second Ahead. I think that's awesome. And since we're already still in the book club, I would do anything by Brene Brown, but Dare to Lead, I think is pretty motivating. That helps me get a better picture of you, Susan. I mean, read everything, visit everywhere. You've got quite a motor. And I just want to say thank you for a few things uh, as we wrap up. Thank you for uh, being a great mentor around Techstars. Uh, thank you for being a role model to to so many women who you know are leaders, are in the technical field, and bringing that to what we have to offer here at Techstars. And thanks for giving first. It's noticed and appreciated. And it's been great to talk to you on the show a bit. My pleasure. Thank you. And thanks for having me. It's been a nice chat and it, it's nice to hear those kind things at the end, but mostly I'm delighted I can give back. And I'm just for one little plug, super excited about the next cohort. It's going to be starting up here in London in September. So haha. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to be an exciting group. That's for sure. Thanks for joining. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First.